so the wolf was the obvious winner, um, but it didn't have an E on the end at that point. It was literally just wolf. Um, and I went to school for history, um, so I added an E on uh, to make it more like the surname wolf. Um, there, I know there's lots of different spellings of, of the name wolf, but W-O-L-F-E um, is the surname of someone named General Wolf who fought um, for the British. Setting the bar high in life can be challenging. While chasing our passion and curiosity to experience struggle and eventually finding success, stories are valuable in ways we may never understand until that one person says something that resonates with us, and boom, it all clicks. This is the Bar High Podcast. I am Spencer Barlow. Welcome back to the Bar High Podcast, episode 18. My name is Spencer Barlow, and I'm super excited about our guest today. Our guest is... Our guest is someone who I met back in 2013-14 as a model for apparel and goods clothing line called Wolf Co. Please welcome to the show, Brittany Powell. Brittany, what is going on? Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I am Britt Powell, and I am the founder and CEO of Wolf Co. Apparel and Goods, um, as Spencer said. And we are located in Muskoka, Ontario. Um, I'm also the primary designer of the brand kind of wear a lot of hats on a, on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I do. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Like when, um, I first met you was in Oakville at your parents' house. Um, you know, it was you and I think your boyfriend at the time, you guys were literally doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was very impressed by how driven you were and just like, you know, the process that that went into just having an apparel line. And I I don't know anything when it comes down to owning, um, you know, that kind of business. So I'm just really curious, Brittany, like how did this all come to the surface? What was the moment where you're like, I'm just going to start an apparel line? (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, as you said, it's there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that you don't realize, and every day we're still coming across things that I didn't think would be part of my job description that you uh, you just kind of have to take in stride. So um, when I started the company, um, it was honestly just a group of us sitting around at the cottage, friends chatting um, about how really nothing these days is made in Canada anymore. Um, and that was kind of the extent of the conversation. Um, there was nothing really deep about it and kind of just molded over and did some Googling over the next few days about, you know, Canadian manufacturing and, and clothing and um, found out that it is actually possible to make clothing in Canada. Um, mm. And at the time, back in 2016, um, the trend for domestic production and supporting local was sort of in its grassroots stage, but hadn't really taken off the way it has now. Um, so finding out information about Canadian manufacturing um, was was hard to come by, um, but I came across a few websites and thought, hey, <laughs> this is something we could actually do. Um, why not just give it a go and start with a couple simple things like shirts and sweaters and and just see where it goes. There was never really a, a business plan or any intention to take it as far as we have taken it now. Um, mm. It was just a, a day-by-day <laughs> approach, and and it was more of a, a fun thing to do on the side um, that ended up becoming a lot more. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, just looking at where you are now, um, and we won't get into that. Yeah, I'll let you open that door. But yeah, just, you know, it's nice that you had the thought of, I want to keep this very uh, Canadian base. I don't want to go outside those um, those borders there and, and bring in other, you know, clothing fabrics or other people outside of Canada into the product that you are trying to um, share with other Canadians. And that's the nice thing about it, which keeps it very authentic to you is that it's a Canadian brand and everything that goes into it is very Canadian. Exactly. Yeah. It would, it wouldn't make sense for us to deviate from that now. Um, All of our, our early adopters and, and supporters from the get go um, were invested in the idea of it being domestic. So um, that's the whole point of the brand. If, if we were persuaded to produce elsewhere um, or bring in help from even from the States, for instance, there's a lot of opportunities in the States that, that Canada just doesn't have right now. Um, mm-hmm. The manufacturing industries there are a lot bigger. Um, so right. it is tempting. And a lot of brands do, do go to the States, if not completely offshore. Um, but yeah, for us to do that just wouldn't make sense. It's completely against the brand. So yeah, we're committed. Yeah, no doubt. And now do you find that's very challenging for you? It is. Um, yeah, the temptation to, um, produce with much more established large facilities, um, is obviously there. Um, our profit margins are significantly less than the majority of our competitors because the, there's just not really any competition in Canada. So the prices um, that we have to pay are astronomical. Um, and that's reflected in the pricing. Um, that's that's pretty basic. Um, there's other things like just timelines for sourcing. And I mean, COVID has really put a damper on timelines in general. But yeah, getting to Canada is, um, yeah, is not the easiest. But it is what it is. And you, it, you just have to inform the consumer at the end of the day um, so that they understand why things take longer, why things are more expensive. Um, And the more that people understand how the industry works, um, the more they're willing to support the timelines and and the pricing and, and all that stuff. 100%. 100%. And, and yeah, you know what? People always question, like, why is this clothing so expensive? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and the thing is, is that there's a lot, like you said, that goes on behind the scenes that the clothing is expensive for a reason. You know, the material that goes into it because it is sourced in Canada. And anybody that says, I want to support local, they need to take that into consideration. And it's not even just like, you know, the price or the material that you're getting in in Canada. It's the fact that it's actually amazing material and it and it holds its longevity. And, you know, you appreciate it more because, you know, it is local. And I think more people need to be open minded about that. And, you know, um, I think I got my girlfriend the Wolf Cole sweater and she mm-hmm. is obsessed with it. She wears it all the time. And I think back in the day you had started off with like, um, was it bamboo or something? Um, yeah, the bamboo are you, are, yeah. Yeah. So like I had that one. Um, I ended up giving that sweater to my mom because, um, you know, I was living in her house and she's like, oh, I love this sweater. Like, you know, and next thing you know, I'm just like, okay, fine. You could have it. You're wearing it all the time. Um, and 
Yeah, no, it's just it's it's very uh, like those are things that I didn't know personally why, you know, the price is at a certain price point, but it makes it premium, makes it worth it. You you invest into the the quality and the story behind Wolf Co and it makes it, you know, something that you really cherish and now you're getting into goods and stuff. But one thing I'm really curious about is how did you come up with the name? We get asked this so often, and honestly, I wish I had an interesting story behind it. Um, <laughs> it's not that not that interesting. Um, I think the way that I started was um, just by coming up with about nine or ten different ideas that I'd just been sort of thinking on, and... Mm. I put them all on a page together um, with the same font and and sort of like a generic logo that I'd got off of, you know, Google, um, and presented it to a handful of people and just started taking tally of who liked which and why. Um, so the wolf was the obvious winner um but it didn't have an e on the end at that point it was literally just wolf um mm -hmm. and i went to school for history um so i added an e on uh to make it more like the surname wolf um there, okay. i know there's lots of oh. spellings of of the name wolf but w-o-l-f-e um is the surname of someone named general wolf who fought okay. um for the british back um back in the day um, in Canada. I fought against the French, um, something I learned in school. And so I just wanted to add a little uniqueness to it. Um, that's kind of that's kind of how that went. And because the brand is super big on Canadian heritage, um, I thought it was a nice little tie in. Uh, and turns out there's tons of people in Canada with the last name Wolf spelled just like that. So <laughs> it works out. They, they love out. the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for you to say that that's not a cool story, I think that's a pretty cool story because I did oh, not well, know thanks. that. And, uh, yeah, honestly, that, that is actually really cool. And it's nice that, you know, you can relate it to Canadian heritage and, and use history, um, with that as well. Um, because yeah, like that's the thing you, you see logos out there and, I don't think people really put into perspective, like, where did that name come from? What does that mm -hmm. actually mean? Right. And um, it's just a question I don't think that is is um, asked uh, enough. Right. And, and now and now even knowing that it just it just adds, like you said, another part of of uh, authenticity to Wolf Cole with the E. And that was going to be my next question was, where did the E come from? So thank you for answering that. <laughs> uh, but go. I think. I, I love it. I think it, it's it's great. It's authentic to you. Um, now, was getting into the fashion industry, or not even fashion, but just apparel in general, was that something that you had um, originally wanted to get into, just kind of going through school and, and stuff like that? Like, was this a career option for you that you had thought about? Yeah, it was. I was always interested in fashion. Um, I did a lot of fashion-related things throughout university, um, but I never thought that I would be getting into the design slash manufacturing aspect of fashion. Um, I started off in fashion as a writer. Uh, I was a journalist at London Fashion Week um, and picked oh, cool. up a couple um, writing gigs through through that. So um, I saw it firsthand um, from the writing perspective. Um, and at that point, 
Um, I was working a lot with fashion photographers um, and artists behind the scenes at their runway shows and, and whatnot. So I didn't really know anything at all about the manufacturing slash design aspect of it. I just got to see the, the inner workings of the industry from, from like a, a bird's eye perspective um, in very small amounts. And that was enough to get me interested. Um, little did I know that I, I really knew nothing. <laughs> I had just had seen like a very, very small snippet of, of the industry in action. Um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't have any experience with uh, production, design, uh, manufacturing. Um, so I have been taking courses and, and just learning a lot through experience as I go. Um, but fashion was always like in the back of my mind as something that I was intrigued by for sure. That's amazing. I did not know that you were a journalist for, you know, fashion in, in general. Uh, I think what I've I've learned from you is that you're big into basketball at one point and all that. <laughs> and then, you know, that's how, as far as that conversation went. Right. Um, so that's really, really, really cool um, that you were able to get like, you know, the creative uh, point of view of it through writing. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 and could you talk to me how that would work exactly? How do you write for fashion? Yeah, there's a few different um, avenues, and I didn't have any idea of where I was going to go with that. I just sort of applied for a few positions with some writing material that I had. Mm. Um, I always liked writing growing up, and English was my favorite subject. So I didn't have anything fashion-related to present to them. I just sort of would apply to fashion jobs and give them sample work from high school and whatnot, completely random stuff. And when I got my first position um, at London Fashion Week, that was essentially um, a combination of time spent behind the scenes at the runway shows, um, documenting what the hair and makeup looked like and mm. what the outfits looked like, just the general vibe going on um, amongst the models and, and stylists. And then um, I would also sit front row. They call it fro, uh, fro. at the runway shows. <laughs> yeah, I was I was asked several times what fro was, and I couldn't tell anyone. I had no idea um, <laughs> until someone very kindly brought me up to speed. Um, but yeah, I was sat front row at most of the shows, um, and you just kind of take in all of the elements and try to find a way to articulate it um, as a story to be able to tell the performance um, to people who aren't there. So all the music involved, there's a lot of lighting and um, there's definitely a theme that you get um, and, it, and a, like a whole experience sitting at a runway show that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily translate um, just through photos. So with all of the press releases that come out at the end of the day, um, they include these articles um, that are written by people like me to try to provide context uh, to the images. And those go out to like Vogue, um, magazine publications, those would go out like on Twitter um, and different media outlets just to um, sort of brief people. 
Wow, that is actually really, really fascinating. So it allows you to really explore your own personal creativity on how you want to express an experience through your eyes, but in, a, in another way that's also going to be very attractive through somebody else's mind when they're reading it, right? So exactly. with, that ex, with that experience, now, has that, have you found that it has really benefited you with your own personal brand? Yeah, it's definitely um, tough to try to creatively articulate someone else's idea. I mean, obviously, there's there's the designer who is putting on the performance. Um, I call the runway show the performance because that's essentially what it is. Um, mm -hmm. And they want it to be perceived a particular way. Um, and then my job is to reiterate that to an audience that's not in attendance um, with my own creativity, but also I have to respect the designer's original idea and try to try to reiterate it with my own flair, but as authentically as possible to what I believe their original goal was. Mm. Uh, so in saying that, it definitely forced me to like be in touch with my creative side a lot more um, and reflect on how I'm portraying something and how that might be perceived um, by an audience or a consumer on the other end. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of like thinking going on. I mean, people think that art is just pretty and, and fashion is pretty and clothes are comfortable or not comfortable. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of intricate details, um, and psychology going on behind the scenes. So yeah, that definitely, it allowed me and forced me, I think, to, um, reflect more deeply on all those aspects of making clothes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm starting to see it more now from like, I mean, I didn't see the evolution of Wolf Co throughout all the years. But from when I first started with you, right, like, like you said, you started off with like sweaters and t shirts. And then I think you mm -hmm. started to become more comfortable with how Brittany wants to um, express herself, right? So I think it's beautiful now seeing a lot of your products. Um, and I remember coming to your flagship uh, store and seeing some of the products and I'm just like, yo, this stuff is so cool. Like it, like even just some of the, um, the goods that you also have in store and how you want to um, stand out from other companies, right? And, and like you could see the artistic side to it and and just how clean and healthy and attractive the products are right and and it's just Thank like you. you know sometimes you got to take yeah you're welcome um sometimes you got to take a a risk with that as well right because you know something that you may really like somebody else may not really like but how can you make it where you could you could meet them in the middle i think is what you're trying to do as well right and yeah, exactly. yeah i, I I could definitely see the artistic side to it, how you like to also advertise your clothes as well. Like, I love just looking at the photos. Like, they're photos I would just have on the wall just for, for <laughs> art. You know what I mean? Um, because it definitely um, portrays you, your own personal personality, right? And how you live your life and, and just how you cherish, you know, nature and what the clothing line is trying to speak to others, right? Um, you know, I have I have members at the gym today. It was my first day back at F45, and I told two of my members that I know that are aware of you um, that I was doing the podcast today. And uh, they're like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to hear that. You know what I mean? So you have definitely <laughs> have done a really good job on, on sharing your vision 
um, within Canada and people are, are, are starting to see it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's a, it's a fine line between, um, balancing the business aspect and the, and the creative aspect, obviously, like this isn't just about me sharing my creative ideas. There's, there's some business behind it as well. So yeah, it's, it's a learning curve and just trying to, you know, take it day by day and get feedback from customers and from your social media audiences and, and whatnot to make sure that you're, you're on the right track. Yeah. And, and it's great to hear that you're open-minded to bringing outside opinions in, which is extremely healthy and cause it's hard when, you know, you're coming out with something, um, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, a T-shirt, a hat, a, a, a store, good like candles or a book, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like having people's opinion um, or feedback and you like using people's opinion or feedback in a healthy way that, you know, you're not going to feel like defensive or anything. Like, was that something that you were very open minded with at the very beginning no. or was it something you kind of had to learn? OK, it's that's that's another fine line area. Like you have to. You have to be careful putting too much of yourself into it um, because obviously um, it is very personal. Like this is my baby that I've kind of been um, coddling for five years now. And so anytime there's like any little bit of criticism, um, it, of course, it is personal. Um, so at the beginning, I was very averse to criticism or any outside opinion um, because it, I was so focused on this idea that I had that I needed to to continue with. Um, and I was too close to it. Um, it wasn't really a business at that point. It was still kind of like my own idea. Um, but as we've grown, I've been able to sort of distance myself emotionally. Um, I'm still working on it because it's not easy, but been able to distance myself emotionally from... Um, those outside opinions. And I think, I mean, a lot of people don't know that I'm the one answering customer service messages online and on social media. And people are very harsh. (laughs) Sometimes they're very nice. And Mm. that is, it means the world to me, but sometimes people are also very harsh. Um, And so for me to receive very harsh messages um, about something that I've personally been like formulating and working on for five years is is difficult um but over time you yeah you just start to (laughs) be a bit numb to it um yeah roll with the punches yeah exactly you can't turn it off completely because Mm. like we've been talking about that outside voice is very important to directing business decisions and product decisions um but at the same time, you have to just turn off some of those comments. You see yeah, them and absolutely. you just push them, push them aside because some For feedback sure. is really helpful and, and some of it you just got to, yeah, you just got to throw it out the window. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said at the very start of this podcast, you know, you wear many hats, right? So I'm sure your emotions and feelings and um, energy is... I don't want to say spread thin, but you're, you're trying to divide and conquer in a way that is extremely productive, extremely professional, right? So sometimes I'm sure you must deal with your own personal emotions, not to react in a way that, you know, it'd be like, okay, this person isn't having a good experience and you want to just tell them, go, you know, bite a tree or something like that. But it's like, okay, you need to take a step back and be like, okay, where's this reaction coming from? What can I do to um, keep them as a customer, keep them coming back? And then also, um, I guess, 
just build a relationship with that person and really understand why they're reacting that way. And I'm sure um, you now being a business, you might have like an error log that you kind of write, okay, this issue, <laughs> write it down. How can we avoid it in the future? Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, when we first opened the flagship store, um, our, our staff came to us and we had a, a meeting the day before just to make sure everyone was prepped and we went through any questions or concerns um, ahead of opening. And the one question that came up a lot was, what should our sales be? Like, what what's our goal? What do you want us to do? And how much money should we be making? Um, and my response was, like, I do not care. I don't want you to try to sell people stuff. I want you to just talk to them and listen to what they have to say, learn about them, where they're from, what they're interested in, how they know about the company, um, chat with them. I, and if they leave the store and they haven't spent a single dollar, that's okay with me. I would much rather you just create relationships than push sales. The sales will come. Yeah, why, why was that your, your approach? Where did you learn that from? Uh, I think, I mean, as, as a consumer, that's what you appreciate. Um, right. If you ever walk into a retail store and there's a salesperson who beelines it to you and they clearly have a promotion that they're trying to push or you can tell right away if they're on commission. And that, from a shopper's perspective, um, always bugs me. And it would oftentimes prevent me from going back to that store um, mm. I would maybe order online or shop somewhere else entirely just because um, that definitely pushes me away as a consumer. Um, and I didn't want to create that experience um, in my own store. So, yeah, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the customer's shoes and trying to think about what would be the best experience um, and then recreate that for them. Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly what I experienced showing um, showing up to your 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 flagship store there. And mm -hmm. I, I, I love that approach. Honestly, um, yeah, I run away when they start running towards me when I go into certain yeah. shops, you know, what I mean, and I think uh, Future Shop was a good example of that, right? Uh, Future Shop oh, or Best yeah. Buy? Yeah, Future Shop, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I growing up, I loved my electronics, but I knew I, I did not want to go to Future Shop to get whatever it was, regardless of the sales that they had going on, because I didn't want to get chased mm -hmm. around the store, right? So I went to Best Buy, yeah. right? Um, and I think that approach is, is definitely more authentic, like, you know, I said earlier, is building that rapport with the guests that are coming to your store, and you know like like you said if they don't buy anything at least they know that they feel comfortable to come back and not be pressured into buying something it's more about the experience that they're getting to um feel when they walk in mm -hmm. right um Absolutely. it's great it's great to uh, also like the construction that they have done around the flagship. So anybody listening to this, if you are in Huntsville or traveling through Huntsville, Ontario, please go check out Wolf Co. You cannot miss it. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it sticks out and you know, yeah. it sticks out in a very good, healthy way as if the store was meant to be there with the whole entire construction of the street and everything else around it. So um, great job on, on choosing your location and everything. Cause yeah, I looked at your before and after picture and I was like, holy crap like i i, I must have went back and forth like two or three times just being like it, it was meant to be it literally was yeah meant to it's, be. it's wild the people so it used to be a td bank and 
a bunch of the people who work at TD. We bank with TD. So every time okay. we're in there, they're like, oh, we have to come see the building and see what it looks like now. And a bunch of the people who used to work in the, the offices there, they've come in and they've been like, I cannot believe how you transform <laughs> the space. Like, yeah, I mean, even for me to see the before and after, because when you see the the whole thing going down over the course of two years, I mean, it's little changes on a, on a day-to-day basis. You don't really get the the scope of the beginning and the end mm, you just see right. little things happening and and it's not that um, grandiose but when you look back and see okay this was day one and this is day 700 there's there's a huge difference yeah and i can't believe we we made it here finally and the street opened um yeah all the construction that they've been doing outside they opened that yesterday so very excited oh yesterday oh wow <laughs> yep. finally yeah cars finally are allowed to park outside so yeah, it's and that's going to be huge for for oh, yeah. uh, traction to your store too, which is phenomenal, right? And you yeah. know what? I think you couldn't have picked a, a better time. Like I know it sucks with construction and, and the whole COVID situation, whatever, but it's nice now people want to get outside. They want to just go and explore. And mm-hmm. you know, the fact that everything is nice and fresh and new along with your fresh and new store is, is I'm sure, very, very exciting. And I'm, I'm sure you must have had a lot of restless nights just thinking about – you know, day one of opening and like just oh, yeah. just so many things, right? Um, Brittany, I would love to go back to this uh, roles of many hats. So, mm-hmm. you know, now just relating to myself, like I, 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 I'm not trying to build a clothing company or anything like that, but, you know, just having the podcast and the YouTube yeah. and stuff like that, like, holy crap. Like, I have no background in design, um, building websites. What yeah, else am I doing? Like Writing. yeah like i'm literally just learning on just like the edge of my seat every day it's like oh i didn't think about having to learn this or like oh i totally forgot i had to write all this and i am i am not somebody that is grammarly correct when it comes down to (laughs) writing um so thank i'm so grateful for for auto um grammar check on you know word doc and whatever but how did you how did how were you able to one time manage your yourself to divide and conquer and then two um how did you know what was priority that was going to allow you to take action action to take the next step forward sorry if that's a overwhelming question um yeah well i'll start with the time management aspect um i think luckily for me we didn't open the flagship store um we didn't have any retail space when we started the company Um, We had a good four years um, of practice, so to speak, um, with just the (laughs) e-commerce platform um, Mm -hmm. where we could make mistakes behind the scenes on our own. So Um, practice is your way of saying the uh, nice way of trial and error. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, with with e-commerce and obviously with a startup company, um, the orders are few and far between to begin with. So getting that time management skill down pat um, is a little bit easier um, because it it scales as the company grows um, and you don't have to worry about really managing your time too well when you only have six orders a week, you know what I mean? So so it's it's easy to wear lots of hats and get everything done. Um, And as you grow, um, yeah, you do, as you said, have to start prioritizing um, and managing your time better. Um, and I think it's really just 
a matter of immediacy and, and what needs to be done today or within the next hour. Um, and that's how you prioritize because there, there really aren't enough hours in the day to get everything done. Um, so things will flow over until the next day and that's, that's life. And hopefully we'll get to a point where we can start to um, hire more staff and be able to delegate so that everything gets done more efficiently. Um, but yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, the schedule is basically what needs to be done right now, what needs to be done within the next four hours, what needs to be done before close tonight, and what needs to be done before open tomorrow. And that just, that cycle just keeps going. Um, that's how things get done. And yeah, if you think about it from a large scale perspective of everything that needs to be done within this quarter, then it can be pretty overwhelming for one or two people to handle. Um, obviously, there are times when we have to think ahead in terms of designing new products and manufacturing because the lead times are so long. Um, but once you've got those in check um, and you sort of like set your schedule for the next six months, um, those things sort themselves out and you are really just dealing with priorities of today, like filling orders and dealing with receipt printer paper that's not loading properly or wi-fi that's not working like <laughs> right. you, you find all of these things that get in the way that yeah they have to come first um just yeah. operational stuff has to come first yeah yeah and, and you know that's the thing now that you have your own employees and yeah just the brick and mortar like i'm sure that, that yeah. just comes with its own priority list of things that you just didn't even think twice about right um it's but the biggest <laughs> it's always something right yeah, yeah. I, I i can't even imagine um okay so so okay when you're just an e-commerce mm -hmm. brand right like how many things were you trying to learn along the way, right? Like, did you have to learn how to create your own website? Did you have to learn how to do marketing and stuff? Or yeah. were you doing a lot of outsourcing at the time as well? Um, yeah, it was definitely there. And still to this day, a lot of back and forth between um, figuring out what we can do in house, um, what we can learn to do in house and what we need to outsource. Um, and at the beginning, a lot of it was me Googling. Um, that's, <laughs> that's my nature is to figure out how to do it myself first. Um, and a lot of things that we did were not done well because I was so determined to learn how to do them myself. Um, so yeah, I was Googling pretty much everything. Um, marketing, we're, we still to this day do our, our emails, um, our social media, um, advertising, all that kind of stuff, um, SEO. And we did try outsourcing a few times and that, that was helpful. It definitely alleviates a lot of the time management issues. Right. Um, but at the same time, there's something about having it done in house, um, that keeps it really close to what you want to do when mm, you're outsourcing mm. to an agency obviously they have lots of clients um, and you end up just being being a client you're a number um, and a job it's it's a project that they just have to check the boxes off on so right. there isn't too much attention to detail in terms of um, aligning very specifically with what the brand needs um, so we try to do most of that in-house um, and yeah google is still my best friend um, 
<laughs> we try to take courses online and, and things like that, like SEO, marketing, and and Facebook ads specifically. That's like a whole universe in and of itself. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to learn. Um, and really, Google, YouTube, YouTube is like a goldmine yeah, for stuff absolutely. like that. There's so mm. many people, pretty much every question, every business question or e-commerce question that I've had, some other person in the world has had the same problem and they've made a YouTube video about it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a lot, you do waste a lot of time searching the internet for answers that somebody who has a professional degree in could probably tell you quite quickly, but for free, if you have a couple hours and yeah. you feel like Googling or searching YouTube, you can usually come up with the answer yourself. hundred <laughs> percent. No, that's a great mindset. And, um, I think a lot of people don't like, there's a lot of people out there want to do really cool things or create something and be creative, et cetera, but they aren't willing to figure it out for themselves first. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of hit walls with that myself as well. Um, you know, like, you know, getting a design made or someone to make my website or yeah, you know, like what else? Jeez, the, the list goes on, but yeah, usually, or what I've come to learn is that one, they're not going to be able to create it the way that you want to create it. And then yeah. two, it's going to be more close to you because you've put in the time and effort to do it yes you're going to possibly waste time investing time into learning about it but once you've learned it it's going to take you maybe you know five ten hours maybe less to understand what it is that you're trying to learn and then next thing you know you're like wow i'm really grateful that i have now learned how to you know use adobe pro or use photoshop and it just allows you to be more authentic with the the image that you're trying to project and uh, basically what i'm just trying to get at is that you know it, it, it's it's healthy it, you have very a very healthy mindset on wanting to be self-driven um and, and not just pass it off and just kind of be like hey you know what hey can you just do this for me and and you know sit back and just wait for the product to be done right and um yeah. it, it's interesting a lot of people always say oh i don't have enough time to do this but i really want that and it's like you know just just put your head down and and put in the time and effort into creating what it is that you want to create and, and figure it out for yourself along the way. And it's honestly the most rewarding feeling, um, being able to sit back and be like, wow, I, I created that. You know what I mean? Um, where yeah, did this exactly. come from for you? Were you always this way, Britt? Um, in terms of just sort of figuring things out on my own. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I don't know. I really don't like asking for help. Um, okay. I think that the issue is probably with having to admit that I don't know something or can't do something um, to somebody else. I just don't like that. <laughs> mm, yeah, so, I hear you. Uh, so if I can figure out how to do it and pretend that I knew how to do it from the get-go the whole time, that is much preferable to me <laughs> um, for my own self-preservation of ego and that sort of thing. Um, so... Yeah, I think I've always been that way, um, but I, I have sort of, I have admitted along the way that I've needed help and picked up skills from other people that that really knew how to do them better than me. Like, um, for example, I, our friend Andrew, um, yep. he was big into graphic design and had all these skills um, that I never learned um, and could use all the Adobe platforms. Um, and at one point, 
he said that he would teach me how to vectorize graphics in Illustrator. Um, and like you said, it took you know a couple hours and maybe that's considered a waste of time because Andrew could have done the exact same thing in five minutes, but he spent a few hours teaching me how to do it. And the amount of times that I have had to vectorize graphics over the past five years <laughs> is like, like I can't even imagine having to go through the past five years with this company without knowing how to vectorize graphics. That was like completely necessary for me to do. And yeah, I can't imagine the amount of money I would have had to spend right. hiring other people to, to do that had I not learned the skill. Um, so I think, yeah, going back to what you're saying, I've always been this way and I don't think it's necessarily business related. Um, I think that's just me as a person with all sorts of things in life, um, even sports, you know, I'm the type of person that doesn't want to compete um, until I know that I'm capable of winning. Um, so I've seen. I, <laughs> <laughs> just because I don't want to like come across like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, mm. So yeah, if it, if it means Googling something or if it means like being in my basement, practicing by myself, um, or going outside and shooting hoops for 10 hours and failing for four hours before I figure out what it is I'm trying to do or what I'm doing wrong and sitting there with a computer on the side of the court trying to analyze like LeBron and see what, what they're doing that I'm not doing. Yeah, mm. that, I mean, that's just who I am. And some people, some people don't mind failing in public and they'll just laugh it off. But <laughs> I'm the type of person that, that really doesn't like that. So yeah, as, as much as I can, can Google my way to success, <laughs> I will. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, see, like, so it's funny how you said um, people that fail in public and then you fail when nobody else is around. So I guess I'm 50-50. I just kind of grew up with just like I'd fail and just kind of laugh it off. But it's not necessarily laughing off. It's like, okay, when I get home or I have my time to myself, I'm going to figure out why Why is it that I failed. Yeah, um, that fuels you. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and it's great that you had mentioned that because I don't think a lot of people – um, really put into perspective that, you know, it's, it's not like, Oh, I have a name. I have a t-shirt. I'm just going to put the name on the t-shirt and now I'm making money. It's like, no, there's so much trial and error and failure that goes on behind the scenes. Now with the development of Wolf Co, if you're open to share, what are some of the failures that you had experienced if, if you're open to share? Yeah. Um, well, right off the bat, um, one thing I can tell you that was a big failure was, um, well, not a failure, sorry. Maybe I should reframe and say like a wrong a wrong direction, um, a misstep. Learning experience? Yeah, a learning experience <laughs> um, was starting a, like a kid's clothing line. Um, we had a lot of customer feedback um, saying, you need kid stuff, like my kid would love this. Or mm. we had a lot of, we did have a lot of people wearing extra small or giving extra small stuff to their kids. Um, and so like I'm, I'm telling you, so many people, we got this on an almost daily basis saying, if you just had a kid's line, I would like my kids would eat this up. I would buy all this stuff. So listening to consumer opinions, I sort of blindly decided I would try a bunch of kids clothes. And all of the people who said that they would buy into a kid's clothing line um, were nowhere to be found. And... That's just kind of, I mean, it is what it is. I don't think, um, I don't think I should have jumped 
on people's opinions so quickly um, mm. without really doing my research. So that's on me. Um, that's one of those experiences where you just like you have to take customer opinion with a with a grain of salt. Um, of course, there's mm. a lot of value to what people have to say, um, but at right. the same time. Um, would I have gone that direction if people hadn't been saying that to me? Probably not. So I should have trusted my gut a bit more um, and said, you know what, like that wasn't really part of the initial direction of the company. So maybe right. we should hold off on that. Um, yeah, that was one one misstep. Um, I'm trying to think of other other missteps. I mean, as you go with a new company and the company's growing you you as a person also are developing your ideas of uh, mm. and visions of where you want the brand to head so um a lot of things that you started working on a year ago because the brand is scaling so quickly by the time those come to fruition a year later you're like well this this isn't our direction anymore things have changed so much in a year mm. this really is relevant by the time by the time you're able to make it happen so a lot of sort of wasted energy on things that never really come to be. Um, but that's, that's just part of the, the learning experience and the, the growth. So yeah, you just gotta kind of put it behind you and say, okay, well, that was a good experience. Um, like for instance, so many products and patterns that I've had made, um, ideas that I wanted to do with the lead times of manufacturing by the time the sample comes around a year later or 18 months later, that's just, it's not really in the collection anymore. It doesn't make right. sense with all the other products that we have coming out. So mm. yeah, it's a couple hundred bucks down the drain and a really good idea that would work, but doesn't really with the current context of the brand. So mm. yeah, you just, just got to move on. Wow. I, I never really thought of that either, right? Like, you know, when things kind of go out of, of trend and I mean, I'm sure you're already trying to build your own style of a trend. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, when, you know, cold weather rolls through, you're like, okay, well, that summer stuff, it's probably not worth putting out now, right? And, you know, just yeah. going back to you listening to your consumers' opinions and, you know, it's great though that you're even open-minded to say, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, it was a risk like any anything in life, right? It could have went really well. It, it could not have, right? But at the end of the day too, and it's unfortunate, like in the moment when the consumer came to you and was like, hey, this would be great for my kids. Like, I think they kind of forgot that their kids are going to grow out of these clothes at exactly. some point, right? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, your clothing line is premium. It's it's not cheap mm -hmm. and it's very high quality. And, you know, I don't think kids are actually going to respect the quality an adult is going to respect, right? Well, exactly. um, and people, people say like, I'm, my kids are going to grow out of this in say six months. So I'm going to buy them something from Walmart because I know I'm going to have to replace it in six months. And so exactly. the, the quality of something like, for instance, our shirts, if they last for five years, well, that doesn't really matter if your kid is six, because five years from now, it doesn't matter if that shirt is perfectly brand new looking and that kids not going to fit into that shirt anymore anyways. Mm, so that's, right. that's, that's the argument. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. But I mean, at the end of the day, I, and I hope the um, customers that had give their opinions, they do appreciate the effort that you, you know, put into try to create that yeah. for them. And yeah, you know, like, 
it's it's like I said, it's great that you're open minded to even try it out and you learn from the experience and and yeah, now you're back in alignment with what uh, your vision is. And I just think you know it, it's I it's probably just a normal experience to have when you are trying to build out uh, your vision as a, an apparel and goods company that you are going to have moments when you kind of veer off track, right? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, if you're um, you know, willing to just say, yep, it's a moment and then come back online uh, with what you're actually trying to project uh, your vision to be that. Yeah, it, it it's just going to benefit you down the line or if, you know, get to a point where you start coaching people on doing businesses or whatever. I don't know what your your goals are personally with with uh, with apparel and stuff like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. you're just going to be able to share that information with somebody else down the line. Right. Um, yeah. What? what it, do you have a future goal with with Wolf Co that you um, have in I, mind? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, obviously making this store successful mm. um, is the next big step. Um, e-commerce is always there and e-commerce is developing and changing on a daily basis. So we're just kind of taking that step by step. Um, but the store has been in the works for so long and has been such a huge new component of the business um, that it's really important that we make this super successful. Um, And then ultimately our goal would be to do more of these, to, to make some more stores. Okay, that's exciting. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, if you come this way, I don't think anybody would be mad about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've heard that a few times. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so I think we covered quite a bit about Wolf Co. Is there anything else that you want to talk about your brand? I don't think so. I think, yeah, I'm just super stoked to be able to share um, about the company with, with a larger audience of people. And yeah, happy to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Don't don't run away just yet. I would love to get right. into your cycling, by the way. Oh, my because goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because you are new in the cycling. I think it was just a handful oh, yeah. of months ago this year, we were talking about smart trainers and I don't know if you were already biking at the time, but where did this come from? Cycling in general? Yeah. Like where did, where was like, was it just kind of like, you were like, Oh, I just want to like get back into fitness. I'm just going to do some biking um, <laughs> on the smart trainer. Cause it looks cool. Or did you already have in mind that you wanted to be competitive with it? I had no intention of being competitive with it. I bought uh, a bike for um, my boyfriend at the time's birthday. Um, And at that point, I was like, yeah, um, I'm kind of jealous because this looks really fun. Um, (laughs) So went out and bought like a shitty bike um, just from, you know, sport check, something something super simple. Um, Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. It was way too big. I went to like a cycling store in town, went to their bargain basement, bought a pair of shoes that were maybe four sizes too big. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, I'm just going to ride with him because it looks fun. And I'm really jealous that I don't have a bike. So did that for a little bit. And because I'm like an ultra competitive person, Mm. every single ride turned into a race um every hill was a race everything was a race everything was a competition and i just like thrive on the competitive aspect of sports in general and yeah i find something competitive in pretty much everything i do um 
so from that point I was like okay well this bike that I've got <laughs> is not good enough I can't keep up it's got to be the bike right <laughs> so, it's got to be the bike <laughs> it's, it's got to be the bike it's not me it's got to be the bike and That's right. yeah so so got a new bike and then I was like no I have to really take this seriously uh yeah and um Sorry, we just had UPS is coming to pick up all of our Black yeah. Friday orders. Um, no so at that point, yeah, I started training more. I wasn't training at all at that point. I decided I was going to start training, which is when I got a trainer. And I was like secretly in the basement um, cycling my butt off so that when we went out riding together, I was like all of a sudden magically <laughs> able to keep up and from there it got to a point where he said to me like we can't ride together because I I'm just doing this for fun and I enjoy going at a nice leisurely pace and you are turning it into a race and it's driving me crazy <laughs> so oh I so love it I, yeah so I ended up just sort of uh, pursuing cycling on my own um and got into Zwift and racing on the trainer um and did that for the whole winter um and then joined a team outside so yeah i had no intention of racing outside at the very beginning um it just started as a as a gift and then it's mm. turned into my own my own thing yeah it's crazy <laughs> um and I, you don't have to admit this but i feel like you and i had like this little inner competition maybe it's my own inner competition but i was like yo <laughs> this girl is a higher level than me already because like i'm oh, like yeah. you when i when i get into something like it's like okay what are all the goals here it's like get all the badges unlock the tron bike oh, yeah. and be level 50 right and like i'm still not level 50 i'm assuming you're probably no. already level 50 no i'm um, 42 you're 42 okay so <laughs> i just i just hit 35 but um okay. yeah it's like you know i was watching you level up and i was telling aaron she's like why do you keep watching her things so like so often i was like because she just started a month ago <laughs> and she's already level 30 or something like that right and i, I and I, I had this own my own like inner competition and i was like yo yeah. this girl i can't keep up either i'm <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even gonna try anymore um uh, but hey, yeah i know i an iron man that's all good <laughs> yeah exactly right and uh you know it's 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 awesome to see that though but like okay so if i remember correctly you're big into um basketball back in the day right mm -hmm. can you share the story where things kind of changed for you if, if you're cool with sharing yeah, about like that where I moved away from basketball yeah yeah i well i grew up playing basketball from probably like age eight mm. um as soon as i was like of a decent age where I could walk and talk and and be relatively coordinated my parents were like okay so you're gonna be into sports there's no question so pick one um and then you're <laughs> gonna be the best at it <laughs> so I nice. basketball I actually mm. so my mom's side of the family was all into basketball and hockey um my dad's side of the family was into soccer and I remember being like seven years old and my parents each took like two or three weeks to teach me how to play basketball and soccer and then at the end of this like month-long period I had to pick which sport I was going to try out for um, and I was so bad at soccer and so I, I was like okay guys I'm gonna play basketball and they're like great you're gonna go to the WNBA like no question about it so I just tried out for the local team. My mom found mm. it in Yellow Pages at the time. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, wow. And yeah. Old school and, Google. 
yeah, went to some like elementary school gym on like a Thursday after school. And the only reason I made the team is because they only had 10 people try out and they needed 12. <laughs> so oh, beauty. That was, that was the beginning <laughs> of my in. experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They couldn't say no. Um, and I did that. I played at the highest level. Um, I was really bad. I got, I got good, but I was really bad um, at first. And I played at the highest level until grade nine or ten um i went and played in the states like went to a sports academy um we won nationals a couple years in a row um yeah i was set for like college scholarships i was scouted all this stuff um but i think at the time like i was not prepared mentally to be at such an elite level um, and some people on my team, like like I played with Kia Nurse, who now plays in the WNBA, and she was on Team Canada. Um, she was like the type of person on our team who absolutely thrived in that environment. She was like destined for greatness. She loved being pushed, and she never broke. Like she had that mental toughness already. Um, mm. Whereas me at 16, 17, I still like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was kind of like losing my mind under all the pressure um, and the, the college scouting process is very rigorous and all that stuff. Um, and I just kind of had enough and said, forget it. And that was obviously a mistake. And I think a lot of um, athletes go through that uh, and definitely regret it to this day that there's nothing you can do about it at this point. But yeah, I mean, I had what it takes, had what it took and didn't take it to the next level just because I think like emotionally and mentally um, I wasn't there. I like that's hard stuff for young people to handle uh, and it gets younger and younger. I know when I was 15, I think in grade 10, there there was a rule that college scouts weren't allowed to contact you until September 1st of your junior year of high school. Okay. Uh, just in order to prevent a lot of that stress and and the pressure of the scouting process from getting you too early. Um, mm. But yeah, nowadays I think like people are, college scouts and, and boosters are coming after you like as soon as you get into high school. Um, and Trying to find that young talent. Scouts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, the pressure is crazy and some people love it um, and I just wasn't ready for it at that age. So yeah, just, it is what it is. Still, is a, still is. a very like, yeah, still a very driven, um, talented athlete. Like I, I played throughout high school and college, um, but yeah, I didn't obviously take it to the level that I probably could have. Hey, and that's okay. I mean, everybody has you know chapters in their in their lives that they you know go through, and um, mm. you know it, it was probably a smart thing for you to do that, right? Like you notice that psychologically, okay, like this is too much. I need to slow it down and and focus on other aspects of your life. And you know, it's not that you just quit sports and you know went down a dark path. No, you opened up other yeah. doors of opportunities for yourself to invest in the things that you're passionate about, which is extremely healthy, right? And, and now moving back into cycling, um, do you? Do you prefer the the individual portion of cycling, or do you prefer the in a team doing the time trial portion of cycling? 
Yeah, it's super interesting for me to be in a an individual's well, an individual yeah. sport. Obviously, you are with a team, uh, and there's still lots of people around. But um, this was probably the first time in my life where I ever um, competed on my own, um, and it's a very different environment to be in um, as an athlete than being on a team um, with people that you have to cooperate with and communicate with constantly mm -hmm. um, yeah I I prefer it I think I'm a very like I'm probably an introvert I would say um, so the whole the requirements of being in a team sport um, were not really conducive to to who I am as a person um, and I found it really difficult to break out of my shell and, and be able to communicate the way that was needed um, mm. in a team sport like basketball. Um, so cycling is good for me because I'm a lot of the time just in my own head um, and there's nothing going on. You just, you have to sit there with your thoughts for like four hours, which is, yeah. um, which is tough for some people. Like if you come from a team sport where you're constantly yelling at each other and setting plays and, and communicating, um, it that's tough but for Absolutely. me i think that's actually that's actually what i needed and and i find comfort in just being on my own with my thoughts and and yeah there is there obviously is some communication because um there is a team element to it um, right but but for the most part yeah when you're time trialing or or just sitting in a group when you don't have any teammates um, it's just you and your, your thoughts and complete silence. And yeah, that's, I, I do prefer that. I, I love that actually. And I can relate to that fully. And I think that's another reason why I'm also very invested into triathlons and running cycling. And I mm -hmm. personally do not enjoy having music or anything going on when I am, you know, doing a workout or whatever, just because I enjoy being with myself, um, just to, uh, um, what's it called to, um, compare not compare sorry to what the word i'm trying to say here to uh compliment what you're saying i am also very introverted as well and mm -hmm. um you know it, obviously it doesn't seem that way now doing the podcast and the youtube but um <laughs> yeah like i i do enjoy being with my thoughts and it's funny there's a lot of people out there that do not enjoy being with their thoughts they don't enjoy being bored or being creative in their own mind and stuff like that and i think it's a, a rare breed of people that actually get to um appreciate the quiet and it's mm -hmm. nice when you jump on the bike and you're like okay i have one goal in front of me and i'm just going to do my best whether that's a workout time trial race or whatever right and uh yeah that's that's definitely one nice thing about you know um getting back on the bike um or learning how to swim or run or whatever that it makes you feel like a kid again too right like when you're younger but I'm sure for you, it might have been different just because your life is very consumed by sport and teams and basketball and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, now it's kind of like, oh, I'm by myself. I can enjoy this, enjoy, the, you know, the nature or, you know, if you want to be competitive, awesome. If you don't, you don't have to be right. Um, I would really love to hear more about the transition uh, going from online racing to in-person racing. <laughs> Yes, that was a huge learning curve. The running joke um, with my family is that like every time there's a special occasion, birthday, Christmas, whatever, um, somebody, at least one person buys me a helmet. Oh, no <laughs> way. Okay. I, I, go through them, I go through them quite quickly. Um, 
<laughs> I, yeah, falling over, I mean, <laughs> falling over happens. And when you're, when you're in a race with, you know, whatever, 50 other people, um, and they're very close together, you quickly realize that you are not comfortable keeping your bike upright. Um, with other people invading your personal space. Right, um, yeah. So yeah, I've been, I've been in a few crashes. Also, just like going down hills um, is a lot harder in real life than on Zwift because um, <laughs> gravity and, you know, turning corners <laughs> and mm. dirt. And yeah, there's all sorts of things that you're like, yeah, I can do this. Like I rode a bike growing up. I learned how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. And you see your power numbers on Zwift and you're like, yeah, I'm awesome. This is great. Like I've I don't know why I'm not outside already. And you go outside mm. and you fall on your butt. And it's just I think it's the combination of um probably the adrenaline of the situation and um pushing those numbers that you are used to pushing on the trainer. Um mm. you like you need to shift your weight on the bike a lot differently and when you're like going all out it's not the same motion um in real life as it is on zwift so right so you you think you've got it and the adrenaline kicks in and you're like sprinting in real life and all of a sudden you realize okay gravity's taking effect there's wind like there's people two inches from me mm-hmm. and i'm not really throwing the bike around properly right and yeah next thing you know you're on the ground uh, but <laughs> it is what it is like that's expected um i think the thing is just not to get frightened by it it's just right. part of the process um mm-hmm. a lot and, of people and- will panic and, and never do it again but that's Th- the wrong that's right. approach yeah, hundred yeah. percent, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's inevitable. It's gonna you might be super lucky and, and never get into an accident, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. with you being so fearless and taking risk, like yeah, you went from barely knowing how to ride a bike to now you know doing races, and you've been quite successful. Can you share some of those um, races that you were you know winning? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I don't think I have won anything yet. But well, um, sorry, podiumed. I think is uh, yeah. healthier. Yeah, okay. okay, fine. Um, the first, well, the funny story, the first real outside race that I ever did was a time trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, like, it's a time trial bike, um, which you have for triathlon. I didn't have one of those. And I was just going to race the race on, like, my standard road bike um, and grab some TT extension bars mm-hmm. that clip on to the front. Um, that didn't work because apparently um, the TT extension bars are all not made for the type of handlebar setup that I had on my road bike. Okay. Um, so at the last minute, <laughs> this is like this is totally indicative of like the type of person that I am. I went on Kijiji or Marketplace and got a time trial bike. And as I was driving to the race, which was in Ottawa. Um, I picked up this bike and I'd never ridden a time trial bike before picked up this bike threw it in the back of my car <laughs> and rode it around for a couple hours yeah. and then raced the race <laughs> on this bike and I remember you had no bike race. fit you no bike never fit. never been bore on a TT helmet. before bore yeah. the helmet and it was like um, like learning like how to start a time trial 
um, like already clipped in and turn the corners. Yeah. It was, it was honestly like one of those things that I say, if I had known how difficult it was going to be beforehand, I probably wouldn't have done it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. My complete naivety to the whole situation was it worked in my favor because I just like got the bike jumped on the bike and did it. And afterwards I was like, wow, what was I thinking? That was so right. difficult. Yeah, yeah, but, no doubt. Good yeah, for you though, honestly, yo, Britt. Like, that's great. amazing. Yeah, thank you. That's, Thanks. Like, <laughs> it blows my mind because, yeah, I, I'm I'm very, I call it impulsivity. Um, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> Everything that I do is basically like, I have an idea, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it anyways, and uh, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, worry about the consequences later. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. And that's what makes life so fun, right? Um, but, you know, like, now that I've been cycling for a couple of years and like, I've come to learn the importance of having a bike fit and making sure the bike fit, mm-hmm. frame fits your, your, your stature, right? Like it's just, there's so many things that are like, that goes into it, your shoes, your helmet, et cetera. Right. Um, and like, I'm sure for you, the transition from changing your gears from your drops now mm-hmm. on the TT must've been a whole entire mind shift, right? I, I'm assuming it wasn't a DI2. Bike? Oh no, it was mechanical. No, it was so, mechanical. I mean, yeah, and I kept dropping my chain like the night before when I picked up the bike oh, and no. was just riding it around for the first time. I kept dropping my chain, and so my, and it would always happen when I was shifting from like big gear to small gear. Okay. Um, so my biggest thing was like, just try not to shift gears, as like at all. I right. mean, I would go, I would go up and down, on the derailleur like a few. Um, but I really didn't want to go from big cog to little cog, um, at all, because I was so scared that I was going to drop the chain in the middle of the race and and that would be it. Um, was there just a loose chain? It was, so it was missing there was a pin missing. Um, and we didn't realize that I took it to like a mechanic the night before and Mm. just to look it over and, and see if I needed like. Um, like a chain catcher or something um, just to help me Um, and he was like no there's a pin missing so figured that out uh, which was like a godsend because if Mm. I dropped a chain in my first race ever like that would have been the end of it I've been like okay that's it we're done bike racing is not for me (laughs) right 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 and it could have led to (laughs) so many different other things too right getting to an accident going at those speeds right when you're doing a time trial like you're putting in effort hard for a certain duration of time right yeah yeah so no that's that's uh that's great that you're able to get it to a mechanic and you're able to test it out and stuff but yeah good on you on on taking a risk and yeah <laughs> thank you a, yeah a and shot. yeah learning the the shifters on the time trial bike holy smokes that was yeah there's a few like i 100 percent lost a few seconds just because i like shifted the wrong way because right. i just had no idea what i was doing yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's wrong way. Shift yeah. <laughs> it is so different. And it's funny, like I just thinking now of my girlfriend, she actually just got a um, time trial bike as well and, and watching mm-hmm. her try to learn how to do it. And she's just so in the zone. You can't give her any advice. And, you know, it's like she's going to sacrifice, you know, her sleep to go out and learn it. Um, you guys have um, a very similar personality when it comes down to yeah. learning something and like, you know, being the best at it and it's funny like you know she ended up joining the same cycling group as you and like yo, this girl got emotional she did something wrong um 
I don't know. I, I don't think I told you, but her last race with Egglewatt there, they did, um, I think it was like an individual race and it was based off of points. Yeah. Um, I was downstairs on my computer now trying to watch it off of Zwift. Like, you know how when you have somebody racing and you could click on them and you could watch their screen, yeah. right? Like as, yeah. as a fan. Well, I was trying to do that and I think I tripped the connection and it took her out of the game for like 20 seconds and she was like in fifth place and she came back into the game. I think it was like 45th and oh, I was no. so scared to tell her that oh, it was my grounded. fault. Yeah, yeah, right. And I was just trying to be a fan. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, I'm out, down here trying to be her biggest uh, cheerleader. And she had texted me at the time that it was actually on Twitch, and I didn't see that text. So, uh, but yeah, she was like, "I'm so embarrassed. I never want to race again." Like she's just like, yeah, in it to, is a to big win deal. it. Yeah, many tears shed on Zwift races. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah, how many races do you have so far on Zwift? Oh my gosh, I've done. I don't know. I'd have to look, but I've done three seasons of Zwift Racing Week um, and then just like some fun stuff on the side as well. Um, yeah, so so a fair amount of races. I haven't been racing on Zwift since um, since playoffs in May. I missed I didn't do this season. So, yeah, it's been a while. My, my ranking's gone down, so I'll, I'll have to get back into it. That's OK. I'm sure that's going to be no problem for you. Those uh, late nights and long run or rides, right? Oh, yeah. like, I think yeah. you just did a 160 kilometer ride. I think. <laughs> yeah, I've done it two Saturdays in a row now. My just by yourself? <laughs> oh, your yeah. coach. So you're just, my, you're just in it. My coach has me, uh, yeah, just grinding out my weekends in the basement. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk about this then. Let's let's get into that. So um, I love it that you you now have a coach. So what what was the aha moment? I guess when you're like, okay, I I love what I'm doing. I've invested into a bike. I'm now doing races. I need to now um, sharpen the saw. When mm -hmm. when did you decide to eventually get a coach? Um, I got a coach back in, I think it was May, um, around the time that I was in the Zwift Racing League playoffs. Um, we were in the A division um, and doing playoffs to get promoted to Premier League. Um, so, I mean, as far as Zwift goes, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And yeah. at that point, I was like, well, like, this is maybe not just like your average hobby. Maybe I'm actually not that bad at it. Um, and in order to keep going at this level and be able to compete with everybody else, I need to at least maintain um, this fitness that I have over the summer. Um, and if I'm going to be riding my bike, I should probably at least be training properly. Right. Um, and I'm no, no professional cyclist or cyclist by any means. So I really had no idea like what sort of training I should be doing um, to keep up with everyone. And as a competitive person, I was like, okay, well, if I'm racing at the top level on Zwift, I should probably be good at it because I don't want to lose. Right. <laughs> so uh, at that point, yeah, a couple other people on uh, my Zwift team made recommendations. Um, and yeah, I got hooked up with the coach and um, still being coached. I have a new coach now. Um, okay. Kind of switch directions um, now that I, I know what I want and what my goals are more specifically. Mm. Um, and what are those? And I definitely, well, at first, when I first got a coach, um, what I said was, I don't really know how far I want to go um, or how far I can go. I don't know what my potential is. I just know that I'm not bad at this. 
So can you push me and see how, how much I can improve um, without really any sort of definitive end goal? Um, and so that was, that's what I did and that was successful. Uh, but now that I've got some racing under my belt and I did nationals and, and qualified for the amateur worlds, um, which I didn't go to, but um, qualified for that um, this year, I think my goals are more defined. Um, so for instance, like next year, obviously gonna compete um, in the world qualifiers again and want to qualify, um, go to nationals and go to a couple other big races in the States um, and podium some more. Um, so now that I know that I wanna do that, um, the training can be more specific to actually um, achieve those goals. Um, and go off of my results from this year to figure out what it is that I need to improve on um, and what areas of my training are decent but need to be maintained, um, things like that. So, so yeah, it's definitely more specific now to, um, to what I want to do next year. Um, and I think awesome. not just next year, but the next four years. Like, I've improved a lot over the past year because I'm still brand new. So like I'm still picking things up quickly and you mm. see improvements very quickly when you're new to something. Um, but there's a lot of improvements that are gonna be like more long-term. Um, so yeah, looking a bit more further out to, uh, to make sure that I hit those at some point. That's awesome. That is very exciting to hear. And I, I look forward to seeing your results as you go through it all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a good feeling when you latch onto a new hobby and you see that there's potential in it. And it really makes yeah. you want to see, like, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like for me down the line? Right. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things, again, you just take a risk. And you know what, if it's not something that turns out to be what you want it to be, it's it's a great hobby to have on the sign to keep you active and you just kind of enjoy it. Right. But um, now that you're doing it more so that uh, you want to potentially, you know, like you said, podium more, become a professional cyclist, et cetera. Like, yeah, the, the opportunities are there. It's just, are you open-minded to, to go reach out and grab them? Right. Um, what's your favorite part of cycling? Do you prefer the um, time trial portion of it? Or do you like the criterion? Cause there's so many, like, like there's the, the fondos. Like, yeah. honestly, I could tell you I don't like the criterium aspect of it. However, I do push myself to do them because they are so difficult and I think um, really important for skill building. Um, and just because I don't have uh, great bike handling skills right now, um, being in a criterium really forces you to learn those um, because there are just so many people going so fast around you. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very tough. Um, and I think midweek criterium series, which is what I was um, doing this past summer, um, the talented people in the GTA, they all do it. Um, so you get to meet a ton of people. Um, people come from all over to, to race those. So it's been a great opportunity to connect with other cyclists as well and, and to find out about new opportunities. Um, but I think what I enjoy the most, um, it's a love-hate relationship. I probably enjoy time trialing the most because because you're on your own and it's very therapeutic. Like it's it's very meditative um, because you don't have to think about anything. You're just going straight by yourself. 
um, mm. and you're just watching your numbers and hitting your numbers um, at the same time because you're by yourself and there's absolutely nothing to think about besides your numbers. Um, it can be mentally very draining and, and mm. tough. So you have to be strong in, in your thought process and, and the sports psychology. Um, yeah, you, you really have to like train yourself and your mind to stay focused in those situations. Um, but if you can stay focused in those situations, they're so rewarding. Um, it's exhilarating. And yeah, you just, you can, it's very cathartic. I don't know. Mm, yeah, I, I know. I, I can I relate. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like yoga, except a lot more strenuous. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and you know what, uh, when you do a, um, triathlon uh so i'm gonna relate to the half ironman that i did and it was 90k and like yeah like you know i'm in the tt position um i'm going as fast as i can to complete 90 kilometers and the entire time mind you this time it was very rainy um but even that (laughs) even you know what i think it took me a good five to ten minutes to realize that it was raining just because my mind was just so focused on my numbers and trying Mm -hmm. to you know be very hyper focused in the moment and and you know obviously not make any mistakes because one mistake would be you know crashing my bike hitting another cyclist um you know skipping a chain you know there's so many different things out there that could could throw you off track and when you come off the bike after doing 90k being in the tt position for that entire duration of time it is very rewarding right and and yeah. just also building that comfort with you and an object you know what I mean? Like just being there and just saying, okay, I'm putting all my trust and weight into you right now. And I need you to give me the same in return and just, and just letting your body simply float across the road or terrain that you're, you're riding on and just, and just being just so immersed into it that, yeah, it does really become therapeutic. And that that's, you know, also another reason why I love cycling as well. Cause yeah, you just get lost in the moment instead of having all those outside, you know, stimulus going on. I'm sure it's like that for a criterion where you're worrying about the person in front of you, behind you, the side, you, how fast are you going? When are they doing a sprint? When is it a straightaway or whatever, right? Like there's just so much going on there. It's hard to really enjoy that, um, moment by yourself on the bike. Right. So yeah, I could, yeah. I could see why you, you might like the time trial more. And, and I could definitely relate to that. And, you know, I think that's one thing for me that I, I enjoy all three legs of triathlon because even in the water, yeah, like, yeah, you're out there, you're competing and whatnot. But, you know, just being in the water for a, a certain duration of time that I normally wouldn't be is extremely mm-hmm. therapeutic. Right. Um, and then the running is hell. But, you know, that's <laughs> but it's the end. So it, it's the end. There. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a rough day. I uh, I got two hamstring pulls on that, and um, I was oh, like, "Damn, no. why can't I just be on the bike for the rest of this twenty-one kilometers?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll, we will wrap this up. Uh, I, we definitely went over that hour mark, so I apologize, okay. and I, I I'm, I'm assuming you have other things going on today. But I have rapid questions for you. Okay. Um, okay. First one is, um, books are you currently reading? Books or podcasts? Okay, um, podcast Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Oh, so okay. Highly, highly recommend. And books. Yeah. Okay, I'm reading 
Um, it's the training. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Let me tell you what it's called. And well, okay. So this one is essentials to fitness. I, okay. I read this like this is light reading. I read like a couple pages every night because I don't have like a, a fitness background um, or a science background at all. So as an athlete trying to improve, like I, I feel like I just need to read up on basic concepts so that I know, you know, so that I'm a, a bit more informed. Absolutely. Um, and I, so, yeah. I guess I guess we could get into this real quick. I know it's, it's you know, now we're going off of rapid fire questions. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 now that you're an athlete, you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, et cetera. Like, yeah, you really need to become in tune with your mental status. And I think investing the time and money into learning how your brain works and how you feel and how your emotions mm-hmm. are, are, I'm sure, a very critical component towards your personal success. And do you find that uh, when you do go and read a book um, about it could be self-help or it could be sports related that you do see the benefit in that? and that more people should be doing something like that? Yeah, I definitely think knowledge is power. <laughs> as cliche as that is, um, I think it's really hard to be successful at something if you don't understand it. Um, so whenever I have time to understand something better or um, ask questions um, about things that are relevant to me being successful, um, be it fitness or business, um, or fashion, literally anything. If I have a question, I will Google it or ask someone who knows the answer because, um, yeah, I think there is nothing wrong with knowing more about anything, um, even if it doesn't directly relate to more success. I think it helps your decision-making and, and being just a more informed person in general um, just makes you, I don't know, more worldly. Yeah. And, yeah, so so I try to read up on on things. I think it's I do read fiction books every now and then, but for the most part, um, my evenings are spent reading stuff that will answer my my burning questions <laughs> about life and fitness. For sure. And no, yeah. and that's that's smart, and I I agree with you. Now, do you ever come across moments in your life where you are afraid to ask somebody a question? Oh yeah, of course. Um, I mean, even with my coach right now, like. I, I send him questions now and I feel like it gets super annoying because I'm the type of person that like once I'm comfortable asking questions, I won't stop asking questions. Um, but Amen. there's there's people that I like put on a pedestal, be yeah. it like a professor or like my coach, for instance. Um, and it's like, if I ask this question, they are finally going to realize how stupid I am. Like I, I have to admit that I don't know this in order to find out the answer, which is tough. Um, because like going back to my ego and, and sense of, you know, self-preservation, I don't like to tell anyone that I don't know something or don't know how to do something. Um, so yeah, it's tough sometimes to admit to people that you admire, um, to admit that you don't know something. Um, but they're just people too, and they have the answers. So yeah, why not ask them or Google? There's a there's a great book out there um, called Ego, and I cannot remember who it's by, but I also um, you know deal with the same thing as well. Um, Ego is the enemy, and that is such a great book, and I think we all deal with that. And it's from uh, Ryan Holiday, and um, yeah, you know, like it, it's that inner voice that we all have in our head that uh, could either make you or break you, right? And it's either you could listen to the voice and and, and you know put your pride as your priority and let that uh, basically I won't say slow you down, but 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 it, 
it doesn't allow you to take action sooner than later, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. when the ego starts to really kind of become your shield, um, you know, you, you kind of stop learning at that point, right? And, you know, like I said, we all experience that. I experience it constantly where I'm just like, ah, do I ask this person this question? Or, yeah, can I figure it out? Still haven't figured it out yet. You know, okay, now I'll go and ask the question, right? But it's like, you know, yeah. what's going to save me more time as well at the end of the day? And, uh, yeah. yeah, not not being afraid to go for the, the, the question um, is... is um, is very yeah rewarding because it also opens up other doors that you didn't expect would come out of that question. Totally. Right? Yeah, I had a coach um, back in the day, back in high school, who said something super interesting to me because um, I was going through a, a stage in basketball where I was really frustrated that I wasn't achieving any of my goals and felt like I was struggling. Um, and she said, like, the first step is thinking that you're really good at what you're doing um but really not being good at all and the next step to success is seeing that you're not good um and still not being good um because you have to realize for yourself um that there's room for improvement before you can actually make those steps to improve if you're if you're blind to the fact or in denial to the fact that you um could be better informed or could be training harder or could be improving in some way, um, then the potential is not there to improve. You, ha- you have to admit that you're not good at something in order to get better at it. Um, yeah, so it's tough, but it's, it's part of the process. It's, it's exactly it. It is a part of the process. Like um, you need to go through the struggle to become successful. And, you know, that's why I wanted to start this podcast was, you know, to chase my own personal curiosity and, you know, hear about people's struggles to success. And, you know, we all have the stories. We've all have been there. And, you know, when we share that, when we put a pride or ego or, um, you know, our mindset that we know everything aside, it just allows other people to feel um, comfortable to say, hey, you know what, I deal with these things as well. Like I was just saying with you, like I also still deal with my ego. And, um, you know, it's yeah, you just got to sit sit back and be like, I don't know everything in anything. I didn't know how to do a podcast. I didn't know how to do Adobe or whatever. Right. And, you know, same yeah. thing, I'm sure for you when you started your brand, you know what I mean? Like it was just a thought. And then you got, you know, into action mode and started learning along the way. And that's the thing is like, you get to sit back and and be like, you know what, I appreciate it more because I didn't know anything. Because if I already knew everything, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, the success, the the glory isn't as glorious if you if you already started up there. Yeah, you gotta you gotta work your way up there. You gotta yeah. work your way up there. Exactly, I love that, yeah. Britt. Awesome. Um, and so my next question was: Are you currently taking any educational courses? I'm I'm sure you are. Is what what are your main courses that you're taking right now? Um, so at the moment, well, for the first part of the year, I was doing a bunch of online short courses in fashion manufacturing um, and textiles and and production to sort of understand that aspect of things a bit mm. more. Um, but at the moment, I'm actually enrolling in an MBA essentials um, program at London School of Economics um, because I have absolutely no business skills besides what I've learned firsthand through experience. Um, wow. So, yeah, I want to I want to go to school for that. So good I'm for you. Yeah, good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, OK, so 
how do you like know what's the right course course to invest into that you know you're gonna like you know like i'm dealing with that too i'm doing like the little small courses off of like skillshare and 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 creative yeah, yeah. live or whatever right um you know they have udemy and i think there's masterclass out there but like i am just so overwhelmed i'm like do i do a course on adobe because now i'm I, i'm addicted to editing and and whatever but then i'm like you know where you are as yeah. well i want to do business on the side yeah. so so how do you know know what's what's good or there's so many different avenues and uh, the bonus about the internet and the downfall of the internet is that there's just so many options uh, like there's uh, even with online courses now like you said you listed a handful of them there's so many options like how are you supposed to possibly pick um i think for me the biggest thing was finding a course that offered um or a program that offered more timeless concepts um, and strategies um, like future proof more of, yeah exactly like obviously there's there's tons that I could learn in digital marketing um, which is very relevant to what I need right now but then my thought is am I really going to spend all this money on a program that might be irrelevant by the time I finish the program mm -hmm. um, because technology is moving so quickly and marketing changes um, and advertising concepts are evolving constantly um, as opposed to just taking more of like a macro business program um, with essential concepts and theories that can be applied in tons of different situations. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I was going with that decision. Um, I think, I mean, it's really up to you and, and what you're passionate about and what you need to learn. Um, but for me, I, I'd rather invest in something that is, yeah, that's future proof. That's exactly how I would put it. No, I love that. It's a great idea because, yeah, who knows what uh, next uh, endeavor you might invest yourself into, right? Like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. you've already started your own business. I'm sure there's other things that you would love to get invested into as well um, outside of apparel and, and goods, right? So, and that's a nice thing about being an entrepreneur is that, you know, when you have the proper pillars or skills in place that allow you to um, adventure outside of, you know, your your comfort zone, um, the the possibilities are endless. And that's the, the best yeah, exactly. thing about it, right? And I think having, you know, that business background is is phenomenal. Um, and you know, with just you even saying that now, it's like, you know, I, I think I should look that way as well. Um, okay. There you go. <laughs> Jeez, we could talk. I think we could just talk all day. This is great. Okay. <laughs> now we'll, we'll, we'll get into the fun questions now. Um, if you could only okay. choose one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. You're that's like my like, third guest that has said pizza and I'm so <laughs> grateful I'm not alone because like I want pizza now. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of pizza? pizza? That's like an, easy, an easy answer. Done. What kind um, of pizza though? Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Ho Hawaiian? Yeah, really? I know. I'm saying that because I know it's slightly controversial. But <laughs> I've like, Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, let's stir the pot. Pineapple um, pizza. That okay. I I, 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 there are some places that I've had Hawaiian pizza before and I was like, okay, all I taste is pineapple and don't get me wrong. Right. Pineapple is actually my, my favorite fruit. Um, but there's this new place in Hamilton called Shorty's that does a Hawaiian pizza and it is amazing. It just like, it, it, it's a good mix. Like it's not over, like it doesn't overwhelm what's my the, palate. What's the type of meat? Is it like, is it bacon? Is it ham? Is it like. Canadian bacon. I, I that's, don't know. That's a big changer. I will have I, to try it out for myself. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're ever coming through Hamilton, 100% go to Shorty's. I don't know exactly what meat it is. It might be two different meats that they mix it with, but uh, they have a phenomenal reputation. You should check them out on Instagram first and then kind of go from there. Um, But I'm very happy you said pizza. Okay. Um, Audiobooks or hard copies? Hard copies. I've always been obsessed with books. I'm a book hoarder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear I, you. The problem, I've switched to audiobooks because I'm in the car so often. Right. And on the trainer, I listen to audiobooks. Um, but if I had my choice, I would choose a real book for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, I'm huge into fantasy books and stuff like that. That's usually what I read at nighttime. And um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Like just, just being able to hold a book in your hand and be able to flip the pages, there's some sort of like weird like satisfaction that you get where you're like, ha yeah, I've done a page. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, next question. Um, would you rather fly or swim and why? Like fly in a plane or be able to me myself fly yeah you yourself fly um fly because <laughs> because i can already swim okay yeah, no, <laughs> I, don't sorry. Think I, can fly. I would choose fly yeah i can already swim maybe not well but like yeah okay i'd like to fly I- I guess I should have. I guess I should have asked that question better because it does say here swim underwater. Why? So like, if you could breathe oh. underwater and swim, no, no fly. No. Yeah, I think I'd take fly as well. Yeah, yeah. I, it might be like a mood thing. Be like, ah, I don't want to fly <laughs> anymore. Okay. Uh, any questions for me? No. No. That was okay. fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for joining me, Brittany. Honestly, um, you know, for you doing your first podcast and uh, yeah, this has been quite a crazy year for you has it oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. and yeah, i'm looking a, forward to another crazy one yeah no doubt and uh you know i just i just want to say publicly thank you so much for for bringing me on um to wolf co to do those photo shoots and stuff like that like it's it's super fun for me when somebody says oh i saw you know um you wearing wolf co stuff i love their brand <laughs> and you know and just kind of being a part of what you've created um is is amazing and uh any way that i could ever help you out i'm i'm there for it and uh like i said i'm super grateful that you took time out of your day to sit down and and chat with me about your business and everything that you have going on so um thank you once again thank you no thanks for having me it was it was great to chat awesome awesome all right i'm just gonna close this up so guys if you enjoyed this podcast please do not forget to rate review and share the show with a friend a loved one also before i actually do close the show Brittany, where can people find you People can find us online at www.wolfcoapparel.com or on Instagram at wolf.co. Um, and I am online at Britt Powell. Awesome. Yes. So please follow Britt on those social media um, links there. I will also have that in the description. So guys, ladies and gentlemen, chase that inner curiosity and don't forget to continuously set that bar high. Peace and love.